to this special episode of BIM. That's Boris and Matt, where we are going to be chatting specifically New Japan Pros Wrestling G1 semifinals, much like the All Valley Under 18 Karate Championships. It all comes <laughs> down to this the semifinals and the finals. We're your hosts. I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Matt. Bonjour. How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. There is a little bit of Ralph Macchio and Will Ospreay, isn't there? <laughs> there really is. There's a little bit a little bit of that karate kid in that Will Ospreay, I think. Uh, really yeah, is. man, the G1, the G1 Climax 32. Brother, it's wrapping up. We have a finals set. It is a rematch of the Wrestle Kingdom main event. Will Ospreay versus Kazuchika Okada. The winner will be the G1 champion and will have the briefcase and the right to challenge for the world title at the next uh, Wrestle Kingdom. That's it. That's the show. We're done. That's it. Until <laughs> tomorrow. Nah. All right. Uh, Very good. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> one one day, day we should do that. That's good. That's a good bit. That's a good bit. We should do that. But uh, um, yeah, I think uh, well, it's not going to be a very long show. We're going to talk about the two main matches in a little more depth. If you want to run through the undercard, you can. I didn't even watch the undercard, to be completely honest with you. But I do have the standings here. We're going to go through the standings, give a little bit of a, a G1 wrap up, and we're going to have a top 10 matches for you on Monday's BAM to wrap up the tournament. Put a bow on it officially. Sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. Yeah. So, you know, again, I got to I got to throw this out there that the entire plan was for similar to last year for us to cover the entire G1 uh, tournament. But, you know, I got sick. July was a write off for me. Just everything went wrong. It was like Murphy's Law. Anything that could go wrong did go wrong for me in July. Uh, So, you know, we just weren't able to to keep up. So we decided on giving everyone these two episodes, the semifinals and the finals, not only to our patrons, but everyone who listens and wants to listen to these shows. You can, you're can you listening to it, obviously. But then we also wanted to kind of do like a G1 wrap-up, and that's going to happen on our regular band. And I hope that that kind of makes up for the fact that we weren't able to keep up. But, uh, you know, stuff happens, and it was just unfortunate. July was a complete write-off for me. Yeah, I was. You got sick. I went on vacation. It was uh, yeah, a bad month, but I mean, oh, we made it through, and it's okay, man. I think with the rank and file G one matches, you're not missing too much if you miss Jeff Cobb versus Bad Luck Fale, for example. You know what I mean? As good as Jeff Cobb is, but we will give you the lowdown on what is must see, what is must watch. We're gonna have a top ten with some other nominations as well on Monday's show. Yep. So don't you worry. We'll tell you what you need to know about this year, G132. Yeah, exactly. Now, let, let's before we get into today's results, let's talk a little bit about this year's G1. This year's G1 saw a change of format. Rather than two blocks, we saw four blocks, which kind of set up a semifinal and a final. Uh, what do you think about it? How do, how do you think the overall tournament has gone so far? Uh, we might be getting a little ahead of ourselves, but I wanted to kind of have this conversation because I've seen kind of like just the two opposite reactions where some people are loving this some people have loved this g1 and then other people and i that i've seen just hate everything about this g1 they say the matches haven't even been good uh they're they're just not into it uh where, where does matthew Eder stand on uh, what side of the fence is he on 
No, I'm right on the middle of that fence. I am right sitting on the fence post. I see the negatives and the positives. Like the, to say that no good matches happened in this G1 and that it was a complete waste of time is absurd. That's wrong. But at the same time, something about this G1, it didn't quite hook us the way that it usually does. And both of us have kind of fallen by the wayside of watching every show, which we intended to do for, for legitimate reasons. But at the same time, man, like this was this was the most skippable G1 in a couple of years. I honestly do feel that. I kind of agree with you. I, I've, I've been thinking about this today just in preparation for, for this show. And I have to agree that one of the biggest selling points of the G1, at least for me, and probably for New Japan, but for me, is having the two blocks and seeing some of those amazing matchups, right? Like, if there's anything that New Japan does, it's long-term storytelling, right? Like, that's something that they do so well. And typically in the G1, there are payoffs to some long-term stories that have been taking place over the past, you know, 12 to 18 months. Because in New Japan, it's very rare to get a one-on-one match. So, Having a month full of one-on-one matches with what, you know, typically, uh, what, seven other people, you get some really intriguing big matchups. The fact that we were split into four groups, yeah, we got some cool matches. Yeah, we got some memorable memorable matches. Yeah, we got matches that are going to be added to the ban list at the end of the year. But it was missing that, as the French say, I don't know what. I think you might be right, man. I think that's well put. Yeah, there were still the classic matches that we've come to know and love, but something about it did feel a little off. And maybe it was the four blocks. This wasn't the first time that they split the wrestlers into four blocks rather than two. But it is the first time in like 20 or 25 years. So the first time in our mature wrestling fandom of sitting down and watching a full G1 that we had to consume it like this. And the other the other issue with the, with this year's G1 that I think really hurt it is the restrictions in Japan that are still happening because of the pandemic. I believe that it was missing that, 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 you know, I think just because of the partnership, the quote unquote forbidden door, a lot of people are just expecting John Moxley, you know, or, or, or someone of that caliber to be, or, or, or Brian Danielson, you know, just show up for the G1. And I think that people had this expectation and that not, happening coming to fruition kind of took people out of the g1 because that was the first thing i saw back in a dominion when the blocks were announced and the car and the roster was announced was it's missing names you know lance archer is the only aew name but you know people have to remember lance archer in my opinion is kind of like a scott norton right like where where he's so much more over in japan so i do see their point of view it was missing that quote unquote star power, but at the same time, they're doing what they can. And like I've talked about this, where it's hard to lose someone for six weeks, up to six weeks, right? Um, especially when I believe the, the 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 best of the super juniors did a fantastic job of bringing over talent like the Ace Austins, right? Um, so that's one thing. Now the other thing that, in my opinion, really hurt it, and I always forget until i watch the full card of a new japan show um live especially and that's the crowd it was like the 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 lack of noise that a crowd can still make in japan to me really takes me out of 
of of of the the show. It really the, it's missing something. I don't know exactly what that something is, and it's probably just that passion. Especially when we talk about our four pillars of of judging a match, uh, you know, the crowd and the overall performance and the overall production really takes a hit for me. What do you think about that, Matt? I agree, man. I think it hurts New Japan less than it has hurt other yes. companies. That's why New Japan is still surviving. You know what I mean? Certain companies have completely gone out of business and or have completely changed, a la Ring of Honor. Uh, it does hurt, though. It hurts a lot. It's not going to ruin the match for me. And I still think New Japan is capable of producing some bangers, some all-time classics even, during this restricted time however obviously it hurts man obviously it's like watching any other sport during the pandemic it hurt basketball it hurt hockey it hurt everything exactly now having said all of that i think that today's semifinals and cut it coming down to the way that like the, the brackets right like the way that the ncaa football comes down to now where we had a proper semifinals and finals it gives you something to look forward to, and I think that the matches themselves, we'll talk about them a little later, but for me at least, it lived up to expectations, especially one wrestler in particular who I know you know who I'm going to be talking about, and I'm going to be praising so much of later on this show when we're talking about the actual G1 semifinals. Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, man, it's, it's weird because I liked the semifinal final format. I liked that we got a final four and we now have a proper 1v1 match to set up the winner of this thing. But also, knowing that they were going to get to this Final Four kind of made it easier to skip the whole regular season, right? It's kind of just like watching a sport that you're a casual fan of. You're more of a fan in the playoffs. Yeah. This is the G1 playoffs now. It's good especially, and bad, right? It's good and bad, especially like you bring up a great point because it is... The season, the regular season is very skippable. The G1 round robin is very skippable, especially if you took a look at the brackets themselves. Um, you know, you can kind of see who was going to win the brackets. I think we did a pretty good job of predicting the semifinals, actually. I think there was Tamatonga was the only one we didn't get right. No, we uh, we said Zack Sabre Jr. also would win the C block, and he was close, but he did not win the C block. Uh, well, let's go through the standings right now because we're talking about it. Exactly. So the final standings of the G1 Climax 32, the 2022 edition of the G1 Climax. A block, Kazuchika Okada wins the block 5-1. and one. Five wins, one loss. His only loss was to Jonah. Jonah was 4-2 and two in that block. Lance Archer, 3-3. Three and three. Tom Lawler, Three and three. Good showing for Filthy Tom. 500. And you know what? I would say give his performance at an eight and his outfits at 10. I <laughs> love it. Love it. 18 overall. 18 out of 10 overall. Uh, Jeff Cobb, three and three as well. That's kind of a down year for Jeff Cobb. Bad luck, Fale, two and four. And Toru Yenu, one and five. His only win coming over the big whale, Jonah, which is just, just crazy. Yeah, Yano's going to Yano. Yano's got a Yano someone, I guess. One of these years, he's going to go over and just not be able to successfully Yano anybody. Yep. So, B block, Tamatanga, 5-1. He wins the B block. His only loss is to Tomohiro Ishii. So, Jay White finishes second place, also 5-1, but Jay White's loss was to Tamatanga. So, they finished tied in points, but Tonga has the head-to-head -head win, which is the tiebreaker in the G1. 
I like that storyline. In my opinion, that's going to set up a future storyline between the two, especially the fact that Tamatonga isn't in the finals. So I believe, I, I really do think that that will be a nice little takeaway from this entire G1 tournament, um, especially seeing, you know, how well Tamatonga has been doing with his singles career. And while Jay White's just Jay White, like he's just one of the top stars in Japan right now, if not the top yeah. star. Yeah, absolutely. Possibly the top star in all of the company. And, and like you said about long-term story, I think uh, Jonah beating Okada was step one yes. in a long-term story. This, Jay White losing to Tamatonga, is like step three or four in a long-term story. Because there's also been all this Bullet Club Bullet drama. Club. Where yep. The Bullet Club split and sided with Jay White over Tamatonga, the OG Bullet Club member, right? So... All kinds of drama there. So, yeah, Tamatonga wins the block, tied with Jay White, but beat Jay White head-to-head, -head, so he gets the win. Also, in this block, Sonata finishing 500-3-3. Everyone else at 2-4. So, Taichi, Chase Owens, the great Okan, and Tomohiro Ishii. Pour one out for our boy. Rough go. But he did get a very important win over Tamatonga. Yeah, but Ishii, again, he, he's like one of the most underrated wrestlers in New Japan, I feel. Like, he, he's he's up there with, like, Goto, um, which is funny because they used to tag. But, like, it's it's I just feel like he's an oversight in the bigger picture of New Japan. I agree, and, yeah, it's sad. He's never going to be a world champion in New Japan. And I think he's the type who, if he was an American wrestler, would have gotten a run with the title. Like, a Christian-esque six months, three to six months with the title. Yep. C block, your winner, Tetsuya Naito, uh, four and two by way of his victory over Zack Sabre Jr., who was also four and two. So Naito's only losses in the group came to Hiroki Goto, the aforementioned, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. So the old veterans got Naito, but everybody else Naito was able to beat. So C block, Naito wins at four and two. Zack Sabre Jr., also four and two, but he does not win the block because Naito beat him. Uh, Three and three, Hiroki Goto. Three and three, Kenta. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Evil. Also three and three. And bringing up the rear in the C block, Aaron Hanare. One and five, but his only win, an important one over Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah, and I kind of feel like that was like, all right, you're going to go one and five, but you're going to be Tanahashi. All right, let's do, let's book it. <laughs> exactly. They call that the old Chase Owens role. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yes, uh, and D-Block was won by Will Ospreay, 4-2. Ospreay lost his matches to David Finley and Shingo Takagi, but beat everyone else. So he finished 4-2, and two, won the block. Shingo at 3-3. Three and three. David Finley at 3-3. Three and three. Yujiro, 3-3. Three and three. Yoshihashi, 3-3. Three and three. And El Fantasmo, 3-3. Three and, three. and in last place, Juice Robinson. There was a split second there where we, like, we were like, hmm, is Juice going to win this block? No. Uh, he did not. He, he did, did not, not win this block. But David Finley kind of surprises me. Because, like, he's always played a big role in the G1, but I feel like his win against Osprey, again, planting the seeds for something in the future. Yeah, he's always played a big role in New Japan. This might have been his first G1 or, like, his second. He hasn't been in the he's G1 been in too a couple. often. He's been think. in a couple. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, fair enough. Uh, but anyway, yes, yeah, so that uh, set up our final four, Boris, of Okada, A-block winner, versus Tamatonga, B-block winner. 
and Tetsuya Naito, C block winner, versus Will Ospreay, D block winner. Good old D block. All right. So before we get to the semifinals, let's quickly go through the undercard. Um, it, it was a pretty quick card. Like, and this is, and and I do appreciate this. And I've been saying this, and when we were talking about the best of the Super Juniors and also the G One, I feel like New Japan is starting to get a better hold of the way to book these cards, not make them like five hour cards every single day. Um, the undercard was kept nice and short, and that's the theme that we're gonna see until the two 20 minute main events. So let's start with the first match of the night. You had Chaos, Hiroki Goto, and Tomohiro Ishii, uh, ver, uh, Yoshihashi, and Yo versus Suzuki Goons, Lance Archer, Duki, Taka Michinoku, and uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru. All right, this match, Archer pissed off that he was eliminated in the G1. He kicks everyone's ass. That was the essentially the story. He got he was so busy kicking an ass that he forgot that a match was actually happening. Yo hits Taka Michinoki with a direct drive for the win in 6 minutes 25 seconds. Nice. The right guy beat the right guy there. Yep, exactly. Um pretty good match. Enjoyed it. I would ha we're only going to rate the main matches because those are the ones that count, in my opinion. The other matches, none of them are going to end up on our list. So, second match, Team Filthy, T Tom Lawler uh, and Royce Isaacs versus Suzuki Goons, Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi. Man, I want to see one-on-one Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tom Lawler. If I were, my dream match today would be Tom Lawler versus Zack Sabre Jr. versus NXT's Charlie Dempsey. Oh, man, either one of those guys versus Dempsey or Brian Danielson. So, yeah, someone in that range. I love it. Good. Good shout. Yep. All right. So uh, this match was all right. At the end of the match, Isaacs tags in. Uh, he gets manhandled by Zack Sabre Jr. Zack Sabre Jr. Gonna ju- Zack Sabre Jr. Puts him up, rolls him up, pretzels him into an arm bar, gets the win in 854. So Suzuki Gun goes over. Nice. Interesting. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's do Filthy Tom versus Zack Sabre Jr. sooner than later. I would pay money to see that match. Yep. All right. Third match was GBH, uh, Tomoaki Hanma and Togi uh, Makabe versus TMDK, Brad Dude, Tito and Jonah. Nice. Nice. So they have the TMDK moniker now. Uh, Interesting. Also, great bash heel. Good to see them on the card. Yeah, exactly. TMDK ends up winning this. Uh, Hanma gets, uh, he starts getting a bunch of uh, close encounters. Looked like they were going to win it. Um, But uh, Jonah ends up hitting a lariat for the win in 8 minutes, 30 seconds. Nice. All right. Fourth match, United Empires, Jeff Cobb, Aaron Hanari, and Great O'Conn versus Bullet Club's Juice Robinson, Bad Luck Folly and Chase Owens. Uh, Bullet Club end up winning this. Uh, so Chase Owens gets tagged in. He drops Aaron Hanari with a C trigger and a package pile driver for the win. So, you know, what's his name? Um, Chase Owens has been getting some some key, key pins over the past few months. Yeah, absolutely. Ever since his win over Tanahashi in last year's G1, I feel like his career's kind of been on the upswing. Fifth match, Los Ingobernables de Japón, Shingo 
Tagaki, Sonata, and Hiromu Takahashi, and Bushi versus Bullet Club's El Fantasmo, Evil, Kenta, and Yujiro Takahashi. Bullet Club ends up getting this win when Kenta uh, uh, hits a game over for the submission in 9 minutes 50 seconds. Um, this match was alright. This match had your shenanigans. That's all I need to say. It was a very skippable match. It was under 10 minutes, 9.50 to be exact. And it was exactly what you would think from a Bullet Club match. That's kind of disappointing. I, I do like Hiromu a lot. I think of everyone who's not in the tournament, at least from the New Japan roster, not counting a Brian Danielson, for example. But I think of everyone on the New Japan roster, I'm most disappointed that Hiromu didn't find his way in the G1. It would have been it's- dope. Especially because, like, right before his latest set of injuries, he was being primed to kind of take over uh, Los Ingobernables in a sense. You know, he was being featured a lot more, and it looked like he was going to get that push into the heavyweight division. I thought so, too. And maybe they just kind of stalled it, Tony Khan style, because of injury. Yeah. All right. The sixth and final undercard match, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Toriyano, David Finley, and Kushida versus Bullet Club's Jay White, Carl Anderson, Dark Gallows, and Taiji Ishimori. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Yano, Finley, and Kushida end up getting this match when Yano tags in. Gallows is also in the ring. Yano avoids Gallows. Chaos uh, and pandemonium start happening. And then Yano hits a low blow and the mother effing roll up for the win in nine minutes. I did see the end of this. I did have to laugh at that. Good to see Kushida back in a New Japan ring. But yeah, just funny. Yano will be low-blowing people and rolling them up until he's like 65 years old. And you know what, though? Power to him. Because because of his style, he can have a very long career. Absolutely. Yeah, you kind of slotted in this one role forever. But yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, he could do this for 20 more years. God forbid. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Ah, crazy. All right. Absolutely crazy. So that was the undercard. Let us go into the G1 Climax semifinals. Matt, the floor is all yours. Cool. So, yeah, match number one of the semifinals, Tamatonga versus Kazuchika Okada. So Tamatonga beat Okada in the G1 last year. I believe it was Okada's only loss in the G1. And it was the only time that Tamatonga has ever beaten Okada. They've wrestled multiple times. Uh, That was their best match. This one wasn't quite as good as that, although I would still call it a great match. It's a G1 climax semifinal and Kazuchika Okada is one of the two guys. So the other guy's going to have to really fuck up for it not to be honestly like a great wrestling match. That's how good a wrestler Okada is. That's the level he's reached, in my opinion. Yeah, and the weird part about Okada, and I noticed this to, to this morning, actually. And by the way, anyone anyone listening, I was watching these matches as we were uh, recording NXT talk. So my comment about if I'm not paying attention to Matt at any point, and I'm not... That is why. I never actually finished that story because we just started laughing randomly. All right, so, but one of the things I noticed about this match is Okada's style of wrestling sometimes. It's so nonchalant. 
it, yeah. he makes everything look so easy. Like just the way that he picks Tamatonga up, flips him. The way that he does these 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 crazy looking moves, but he makes everything look so nonchalant and easy. I hate him for this. I hate him for this. He's that good. He's so smooth, butter, butter smooth. And man, like his sense of timing is out of this world. That's the thing that makes Randy Orton so good. And Okada is basically a better Randy Orton in a lot of ways. And coming from me, the biggest Randy Orton fan on earth, that's a big compliment. I have a Randy Orton t-shirt. I'm the guy who bought a Randy Orton t-shirt. And yet I will still say Okada is the better Randy Orton. And I absolutely, going with the comment of timing, I believe that they did a fantastic job of of timing everything and making everything look so buttery, buttery smooth when Tamatonga kept going for the gun stuns and Okada at the last second would block him and would yeah. get another move. I think I think that that end oh, was just so well done. I love the ending to this match. Yeah, really good finish to this match. So this was a match built on respect. These were two baby faces. It started with a fist bump. This uh was a stark contrast to the next match. This was this was a babyface versus babyface respect-based match. The story here is that Okada is the Michael Jordan of professional wrestling, at least of this company. He is the ace. He is the man. And Tamatonga is a horse trying to run with the stallions right now. He is trying to uh, make his claim to the main event. And the, the story was, does Tamatonga belong? And I think the impression you were supposed to get as a viewer is it's not quite his time, but he's getting there. He will one day be a main eventer, right? Yep, that's exactly my takeaway from this from this entire match. And I absolutely loved it. I loved the respect angle. I loved the, the respect angle at the end of the match. And this was just so good because you can see the 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 frustration in Tamatonga's face because he he gave it his all. He did everything he could. He 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 threw so many different moves at Okada like like and you can tell that the frustration was really building when Okada kept going for a rainmaker Tamatonga would reverse this go for a gun stun Okada would stop it you know then he would put him in like the money clip and 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 it was just it was so really well done and I also like the fact that we saw moves at the end uh, of this match that Okada typically doesn't do yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, the, the finish here, let's see if I got this down. So, uh, Tamatonga goes for a gun stun. Okada grabs the wrist to hit a Rainmaker. That is blocked into another gun stun, which is blocked again into the money clip, his uh, Cobra clutchy submission thing, uh, Okada's. Tamatonga gets out of the money clip, locks in a small package, does not get the small package, does get a Pele kick, and then goes for one last gun stun, which Okada reverses into an emerald flosion. Shout out Mitsuharu Misawa, and then hits his Rainmaker finish and wins this match. Brilliant finish. Just an awesome last 30 seconds of this thing, like you said. Yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved the ending. Uh, it was I, it was so well done. And then obviously after the match, you get the full respect angle as the two men hug. And honestly, like to me, that was a sign of Okada telling Tama, telling Tamatonga, you could be, you can hang with us. Yeah, like keep trying, kid. Like your time will come. 
kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, great wrestling match. Uh, overall, I would put it at four climaxes out of five, Boris. Uh, it is an A in Canada. Yep, exactly. I would rate it that like that as well. And I do agree with you that their previous match was better, but this one just, it, it was different. And I appreciate when two guys especially in New Japan, can put on a different style of match. It was a completely different story. Um, it was a completely different psychology because Tamatonga this time around is a face. Absolutely, yeah. The last time he was like, uh, he was a heel and he used some nefarious means to beat Okada. But yeah, tried to do it straight up and ultimately did fail here. But a really good match. Good showing from Tamatonga. Yep. And, and Bringing us to our... Oh, sorry. And the, my last point is that Tamatonga controlled a lot of the middle of this match. So to, to the credit of the booking and the storytelling, they really made Tamatonga look super strong in this match. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, Tam Tamatonga needed, needed to look strong in defeat if he was going to lose, and he did. They had to do that, and they pulled it off. So yeah, that brings us to our main event, the second semifinal, Naito versus Will Ospreay, the winner to wrestle Kazuchika Okada, uh, tomorrow. So here we go. This was not built on respect. Will Ospreay is an asshole. He is a cocky prick and he will let you know it. Yeah. And man, so the last match started off kind of like a wrestling match slow and kind of like, what is it? What is my opponent going to do? Nah, man. Will Ospreay and Naito, they started Right away, like the pacing was insane for the first few minutes. Absolutely. Back and forth, cartwheels and head scissors and flips and floops and flops and shooting star presses and all kinds of fun. Yeah, and I love that no matter everything that Naito had, Osprey had an answer for. And, and, and everything that Osprey had, Naito had an answer for. It was such a, a seesaw of a match. And, and I really enjoy these types of matches because it really makes you wonder, especially when you don't know who's going to win, right? Like both of these guys, either person had a great case to make it to the finals. Uh, I, so I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. I do think it was pretty clear that Osprey was going to win just for the simple fact. And the announcers pointed this out at the start. Naito and Okada have already wrestled three times this year in yeah. major spots. So it would have been the fourth time this year. So that alone, I think, kind of made it a little clear. But that didn't really hurt the match at all, honestly. Yeah. It was a, a battle of one-upsmanship, like you said, man. Uh, a battle of anything you can do, I can do better. Anything you can throw at me, I have an answer for. And yeah, it was just some of the bumps that Will Ospreay takes. There's a sp specific a uh, Destino near the end of this match that looked like Will Ospreay took it on like the ball of like the, of his neck, like yeah. the the for the first vertebrae right there. Just yeah. absolutely disgusting bumps that Will Ospreay takes, man. Oh yeah, absolutely disgusting. And then also like a little bit before that, um, Ospreay counters one of Naito's flying forms with a beautiful looking Spanish fly. Yeah, so pretty. Then Osprey is effortless in the ring. Like he he's another one who's so so smooth. Exactly. Then Osprey counters a tornado DDT with a deadlift brainbuster, which just looked absolutely insane because I said it in the name. It was a deadlift brainbuster. Like he just picked Nido up from 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 nothing to everything, landing a beautiful looking brainbuster. 
Yeah, yeah, but crazy spot there. Like uh, his speed power combination is possibly not like heretofore unseen in wrestling. Like this guy is nuts. Uh, so yeah, there was a spot where Will Ospreay hits this hidden blade and then lifts up Naito for the Stormbreaker. Everyone thinks that I thought this was going to be the finish, but then Naito reverses that into a Destino, which also spikes Osprey on the crown of his head. Yep. And that's, I thought that was going to be the end because that's kind that of like been, yeah. a New Japan ending, right? It's like a couple counters, finishing move, one, two, three. One thing, my one complaint about New Japan is that finishers literally mean shit all in right now. Yeah, there are a lot of finishers being kicked out of. Uh, Naito did kick out of a hidden blade in this match, which is, I think that might be the first time that I've seen that or that I can remember off the top of my head. It definitely is. Maybe Okada kicked out of the hidden blade in their Wrestle Kingdom match, but I don't think he did. I don't think he did. I really don't think he did. And I feel like at Forbidden Door, the commentators are talking about the fact that no one kicks out of the hidden blade. Yeah, I think I think so too. So yeah, I, the finish comes when Naito goes for a Destino. Osprey reverses that, throws him off, hits a hidden blade again, and then that was the one that uh, Naito kicked out of, which was shocking. But he lifted Naito up immediately, hit the Stormbreaker, which is like Farouk's old Dominator spun out into a 360 neckbreaker thing. Pretty dope move, the Stormbreaker. And Will Ospreay pins Tetsuya Naito to win the semifinal of the G1. Yep. There you go. We have our final set. Yes, sir. Okada versus Osprey yet again. They've had at least two classic matches already in their career, one of which being the Wrestle Kingdom main event, the biggest show of the year, January 4th, New Japan. And they're running it back. They're running it back tomorrow morning. So, man, we're blessed with good wrestling, but this was still a great match. I don't think you could call it an all-time classic. It was inarguably great. So we are going to go four and a quarter climaxes, 85%, also an A in Canada. Short, sweet, and to the point. That's how I like my podcasts. Love it, buddy. Absolutely. And we'll be back with another one tomorrow talking about the finale. We have so much good wrestling. We have brian danielson versus daniel garcia two two out of three falls coming up also the potential return of a winnipeg boy named kenny omega to the wrestling business we could have four five great matches today uh just just on a random wednesday what a day to be alive for us i know isn't that crazy isn't that absolutely crazy all right if you like what you're listening to think about joining our patron it's just five dollars a month and you get all the shows zoom access to our after parties instant access to the flagship show on sundays we can talk about it now brian gerwitz is the big interview that mike was able to line up and conduct it earlier today what a grab that's going to be awesome that's coming on sunday patrons get that first and the extended version of the interview what more can you ask for from a wrestling podcast made by fans for the fans patreon.com slash SNME radio. That's where you can go to sign up. Matt, until tomorrow, he's Matt. I'm Boris. And remember, stay tranquilo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the best in town. Hey! Listen